I'm just going to mention that it's Chantel Jones speaking now. Um, we're transitioning to the next story for the podcast. Um, I find it so interesting what the heart does. She's talked a bit, Rebecca talked a bit about comparison, and I, uh, I previewed her message just to make sure it was going to air right. And as soon as I listened, I was like, oh, mine is horrible. <laughs> I don't want to share. And so just that, yeah, that fear of men kicks in and those lies. And so I... Yeah, I prepared what I prepared, and I'm going to trust that God will use it for His glory. And um, and it's structured differently, and that's okay. We each have freedom to share our stories the way we're going to share. So I'm just going to start by reading a portion of Habakkuk to just kind of ground um, myself and what I'm going to share about. So I'm reading from Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the yields field, the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. So what I've loved about the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk is that we see faith in action. Habakkuk's proclamation of faith at the end is not, is not positioned at the beginning of the book. We see that's a, a process and it's a result of the work of sanctification. And it came from seeking, knowing, and communing with God. Habakkuk can proclaim that even if, um, because he's tasted the goodness of God, that even if all these things fail, things are going to be okay because he, he knows who God is. Um, so when I came to faith in 2012. I was surrounded by unbelievers. I came from an unbelieving family. My friends were unbelievers. My husband's family were unbelievers. My husband was an unbeliever. Um, And not only did my husband come from an unbelieving family, he came from an atheist family who were very antagonistic of the gospel. And so early in my faith, I had to choose to live set apart, set apart from my family and my friends I had to come to the decision that Christ is enough um, and that even if none of my family turns to Christ and I lose my friends, that I would remain his. Um, in God's kindness, he mercifully saved my husband. And so together we can be committed to loving, witnessing, and faithfully praying for our unsafe family, friends, and neighbors. Um, but in 11 years, which feels like a long time, I recognize it's, it's not compared to some of you who have know many decades of faith but it feels like 11 years is a long time to see no one turn to Christ other than that one person but thankfully he did um because I feel like my faith maybe would have been swept away had he not Mm -hmm. had there been division in our household I don't know that I would have been able to withstand um but our faith has alienated us from relationships we've lost dear friends because we could not celebrate or affirm their views on sexuality and marriage um, because we know they go against God's word and his good design. And, and we're even, you know, called hateful names because of our faith. Um, I've had friends who've turned their back on me because I, I no longer participate in husband bashing or gossip or watch um, racy shows on Netflix or want to get drunk with them. So they don't want me around anymore. Um, And our faith has caused strife in our relationship with our parents. They don't understand our devotion to Christ. And 
my parents specifically challenged the gospel with their prosperity gospel, and that's caused heartache. Um, my my in-laws have started to be interested in spirituality because of some Tai Chi classes they've taken. And so for Christmas recently, they gave myself and one of my children, these were the only gifts, like books on Buddhism. So that was just very shocking given they know clearly where we stand and that those things grieve my heart. And so for years, these um, hardships had me asking God why. Um, things like, why wasn't I born into a Christian household? And why do my parents love me conditionally? And why won't they receive the gospel? What am I doing wrong? Why are they turning their backs on me? So there are moments where this walk feels isolating and lonely, but in that loneliness, my relationship with Christ is strengthened because sometimes it felt like he was all that I had. So I would turn to him and he was my rock and he would give me strength. Um, so in, in the heart, there's three things that I've learned through these trials. One, like Rebecca mentioned, to lament, to pour my heart out to God, to cry out to him when my heart aches. And I've learned that it's okay for me to complain to God, that he actually wants to hear from me. He wants me to bring my emotions, my fears, my worries and anxieties before him, and that he can handle my questions It's also taught me to trust God and have faith in his character, trusting that nothing is impossible for our God, that no one is too far gone or out of his reach. Nothing is impossible for him. My loved one's salvation is completely dependent on him and on his timetable. Their salvation will be out of his grace. It doesn't depend on my efforts to convince them of the goodness of the gospel. God's grace is something I continue to marvel at. Daily, I become more and more aware that I was just as lost and blind as my loved ones. But God intervened and rescued me from my impoverished estate. So the more I see my own need for Christ and taste his grace, the more grace I have for my lost loved ones. And I long for them to taste that same grace and to have that hope that directs my life. And it's also taught me to persist in prayer, to continue praying for our loved ones, even if I can't see any change. My role is to keep interceding before God on their behalf, praying bold prayers and trusting him to act. That's the best way I can show my love to my unbelieving family and friends. And I confess I often forget to do this. I'm often prayerless and I often fret and worry. But this study of Habakkuk has reminded me just how important it is to cry out to God, to listen to him and to trust him with hard circumstances. So this is just one aspect of my life that I need to have faith and trust God. But it's one that I need to completely depend on Christ for. Because I am completely helpless to do anything to save anyone. And I need Jesus. I need to depend on him to pray and wait, extending to them grace that I have so generously received from my Savior. Trusting him with the what-ifs. So prayer is turning to him in an act of faith and trust. And I I know that I'm not the only one listening or in this room who's walking a similar path. So I just want to encourage you to have eyes open to gospel opportunities and just seek to speak boldly when those come up. I remember, and I I still find this, I don't know, confusing, fascinating, both. But when um, Stephen's mom's mother was dying, she asked for scriptures to share with her 
And then when my dad's mom was dying, my mom asked me for scriptures to share with her. And so I find that amazing that despite their unbelief, they were still turning and seeking comfort from the one who comforts from his word. And while this was years ago and there's been nothing that I can see um, that gives evidence of fruit, I trust that God's planted seeds and in his timing, fruit will be, will be born. So by sharing the answer for the hope that we have within us, we can glorify God before our unbelieving family members. So like Habakkuk, I have an even if statement. Even if none of my family or friends turn to Christ, I'll continue to live for him. Even if those I love reject me and I'm left alone, I'll never be alone or forsaken because I belong to Christ and he'll never leave me. He is a friend, a brother like no other, and in him I have family as he unites me to my perfectly heavenly father who has adopted me as his daughter and united me into his family. Um, I just want to say that to keep on trusting you know that God in his time will turn the tide also um, this past week uh, on uh, Friday morning uh, I help out in Grace Manor with the hymn sing this is done every every week at 10 o'clock in the morning if anybody ever wants to come and visit you're welcome but last Friday, and uh, we have a lot of uh, Indian people working at Holland Christian Homes. Last Friday, I'm standing there singing with everybody else, and I see this Indian girl. Every time it seemed like she was standing closer and closer, you know, and doggone it, here she was singing. <laughs> I mean, she just totally surprised me. So, and then I looked up, and across the room, there was a Muslim with a turban on, and he had a book in his hand, and he was singing. Wow. So for that, I praise God, Amen. his faithfulness. Anyway, now I just have a little, it's not very glamorous, but anyway, I'm not either, so. Audrey. <laughs> Do you mind just mentioning your name for the ladies that are... Oh, my name is Audrey Hoekstra, and I live in Holland Christian Homes. <laughs> okay. Um, on November the 5th of 2019, <clears throat> excuse my voice, I was on my way to Costco on Steels together with our daughter, Wendy. She had just come from Michigan to have a visit with us. At one point, she said something that I didn't quite catch and turned to her for a split second and just said, pardon? To which Wendy screamed, mom, as I sailed very nicely into the back of another car. What a crash. Here I had a pretty good 60 year driving record and now I totally messed it up. How could I be so dumb? I could have killed my daughter, I thought. Not to mention, Pete is going to be so disappointed in me. I asked Wendy to call 911. She had stepped out of the car because she saw that there was smoke coming from the front of the car. I didn't, I didn't trust it, but I had hurt my foot somehow with the pedals and I felt stuck 
as well as the airbag was now in front of me in full view to everybody. Soon the police arrived, asked what happened, and because I was pretty sore, he called for an ambulance and Wendy called her dad. The ambulance took Wendy and myself to the Brampton Hospital. A lot of questions and the police officer said that he had to put down something and decided to call it careless driving. Me, a careless driver. And I got six points. I had never had a point, but I managed to get six points. Nice. <laughs> After we were at the hospital for a while, our son Jim came with his dad. I told Pete I was sorry. He just smiled and said, I knew it was time for us to purchase another car, I, but I didn't realize it was going to be sooner rather than later. <laughs> we will go shopping when you feel up to it. If I can say anything good about COVID-19, yes, I said COVID-19, <laughs> the court case was pushed back several times. Around the corner of Holland Christian Homes is an office with a, a few paralegals. I didn't want to spend too much money on lawyers, and I was advised by one of the tenants of Holland Christian Homes that this group is really pretty good. So here's hoping. In the meantime, from the beginning of this nightmare, I continually said to the Lord that he and he alone is my advocate. He, after all is said and done, is everything to me. He has protected me. I can never say these words. He has protected me from the time I was little during World War II. He has been my everything. Finally, February 18, 2022, my case was heard at the Brampton Court. I had asked a girl if she wanted me there, but she said, you paid me $450 to fight for you, and fight for you I will. Well, okay then, I said. She said she, said she would call when it was all over. Well, I went to prayer on my knees. I prayed to the Lord to grant the girl paralegal wisdom and for the Lord to soften the heart of the judge. Well, by 3.30 p.m., the girl called me and said, well, do you want to hear the bad news first and then the good? I said, there's bad news? <laughs> yeah, she said, there is you will not be seeing me anymore. <laughs> she continued to tell me that no one came, not the person I rear-ended, not even the police officer. And to top it all off, the judge decided to give you your nice clean record back. <laughs> I thanked her so much, but all I can say is the Lord was in that courtroom looking after his own. He has never failed me yet. Not ever. That's all I got. Mm -hmm.